Hello, welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is uh, Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and moderator, HokieSmash underscore ASD. Uh, My Twitter account is at TalkinACCSports. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get started on the podcast. Hello, thanks, Jeff. This is Matthew. As Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at at Hokie Smash underscore ASD. And joining us tonight on the longest running podcast in the United States of America is Hank Kurtz Jr. He is the uh, he is the Associated Press writer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. He pretty much does everything for the uh for he does he does everything for um for the state of virginia and it, it, i i, I uh, and i'm getting some messages some a message here right now uh that that ha- ha- that hank is a little bit lost and have is having some technical issues here jeff so if you wouldn't mind uh Talk about talk about the uh, talk about some of the features that we've had on the blog here, okay? Just a, just a, just a moment, if you don't mind, okay? And if you tell us tell us about some of the features we've had there lately, okay? Yeah, yep, absolutely, Matthew. So while we wait to get Hank on board, um, one bit of news I wanted to pass along that was released today. Um, the ACC Women's Basketball Tournament and the ACC Baseball Tournament um, have had their early round games, which I think is uh, it's more than 10 in both of them, have been turned over from the regional sports networks uh, back over to ESPN to be on the ACC network. And that is a huge win for the conference because the ACC's uh, baseball and women's basketball coverage has kind of been a big old mess of the last few years. Um, I mean, people trying to get into the, uh, trying to view the baseball and we see Hank is on the board. So I'll just um, finish this thought. Um, The last few years, people trying to find the, the women's basketball tournament searching regional networks, uh, the baseball tournament, which I felt like has been a, you know, all a huge, I mean, I called it a disaster on the blog. Uh, people, you know, irate on Twitter who couldn't even see the games if they didn't have those regional sports network. That has been taken care of. Um, all going to be on the ACC network now and the championship games on ESPN and ESPN2, uh, one or the other. So that announcement today was actually really good news for the ACC. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now, and we can get started with our chat with Hank. Now, whenever you're um, uh, ready, Matthew, just unmute yourself. This is a good idea. I still feel like I'm working in a teleworking environment. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, Hank. We are so happy to have you come back. This is we have Hank Kurtz on here tonight. He is the he, he is the Associated Press writer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. He's been a friend of this podcast for several years, the longest running ACC podcast 
in the United in the United States, and we're happy once again to have him come back. And so, Hank, I just want to I just want to ask you a few questions. We always have new listeners on this podcast because we are a growing podcast. Tell us about yourself, where you went to school, what sports you cover in Virginia, and your Twitter account handle and anything that you want to plug. Thanks again for coming back, Hank. Since I'm so challenged, you can hear me? We can hear you, sir. Excellent, excellent. All right, so I grew up in New Jersey. I went to Ohio University and studied journalism. I moved down to Richmond in 1995. Um, Let's see, and the Hokies were really good the whole time I was here, so I told Frank Beamer he should name something after me, and he got a beagle and named it Hank, um, which was great. Um, (laughs) It's pretty good there. My uh, Twitter handle is at Hank Kurz Jr., and um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's exciting to have a new football season. We just sent out our previews for the ACC today, so um, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, we'll make sure we check that out. We'll make sure we check that out. So before we get to football, man, before we because that's that's what we're here today talk about Virginia Tech and Virginia football and the Commonwealth and the larger ACC and national college football picture. I wanted to get your brief thoughts on Mike Young's 2022 Virginia Tech basketball season, because most of us, I mean, that are older recognize that this is really a historic season for Virginia Tech to win the ACC. The floor is yours, Hank. Yeah, they were awesome. And the way they finished um, was kind of a bummer, the game against Texas, but the way they finished, you know, those three straight road wins, um, that's a a pretty uh, stout accomplishment for anybody. And, um, you know, they, they finished strong, won the ACC, and then kind of fizzled in the tournament. But um, great year. He's building a, you know, the Castle is a great place to play. Um, the fans are right on top of the court. It's loud, um, you know, and he's building a really nice culture there with the basketball team. Thank you, Hank. Jeff, you're up. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Yeah, Hank, let's get into football now. I have a two-part question for you. Uh, First, give us your thoughts on Virginia, on the Virginia Tech football hire of Brent Pry. And uh, I I tell you, from some of the interviews I've seen in ACC um, media days, I mean, he is a, he's a big personality. And uh, I mean, I think that's good for Virginia Tech. Um, Second, let's get into you know, your expectations for Virginia Tech football this year and what you think those are? Well, I think, I think, you know, Brent was there in 95 to 97, worked with Bud. Um, and man, it seems like he's been there five years already. He just seems to fit in so well. He seems to, to get the, to get the hokey, the whole vibe of, of, you know, being the Virginia Tech football coach. Um, he's, he's, He's real accessible. Um, he comes from really good, you know, bloodlines, uh, not bloodlines, but, you know, being at Penn State, which is very similar to Virginia Tech in a lot of ways. He was there for a long time. Um, <clears throat> he's a defensive-minded guy, which I think um, Bud Foster has always made Virginia Tech fans really appreciative. It's kind of like Virginia basketball fans, Virginia Tech football fans really appreciate good defense, exciting defense. 
Um, he's a fiery guy. Um, I think he's a, a he doesn't pull any punches. He, he'll tell you like it is. Players know where they stand with him. And it's going to be interesting to see how that translates on the field. You know, one of the things that they have to determine yet is who's their quarterback. They have those two transfers from Marshall and um, South Carolina. And I think Fry wanted to, or Pry wanted to um, choose a quarterback sometime this week, he said. Um, I haven't seen that he's done that yet. But um, it's interesting to me that in the six years of Justin Fuente, um, who was supposed to be kind of an offensive guru and a quarterback maker, that's been a, a weak position for Virginia Tech. And, you know, these two guys both have experience. The kid from South Carolina beat Florida and Auburn in two of his starts last year. The kid at Marshall threw for 3,500 yards. Um, and, you know, the running backs, they got guys that, you know, Jalen Holston, I think he got there in like the second year I was in Virginia in 1997. He's been there a while. Um, and, you know, they're moving some guys around and um, they got a lot of starters back on defense. And, um, you know, that's, that's prize baby. And his defensive coordinator, Chris Meave, uh, Marv, excuse me, um, is really, is really an impressive guy. He told us on media day that he loves to read and he usually has about five different books going because he gets bored with a book. He puts it down and picks up another one. I can't do that at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting year. Um, obviously there's some transition, there's some learning new things and, you know, new schemes and stuff like that, but there's a bounce in the step of the players and, you know, I think that was lacking the last couple of years. All right. Um, quite, quite literally, as you were speaking, Hank, it came across uh, Twitter. I was keeping an eye on Twitter as, and listening to you at the same time. It um, looks like Grant Wells has been named the Virginia Tech starting quarterback uh, right here. I just went across Twitter in like the last two or three minutes. Wow. Well, see, um, they waited till I was on the podcast to make me look bad. <laughs> right as you were speaking, that's crazy. Well, he's a, he's a he's a big kid and impressive, and um, the you know uh, the other guy is is impressive too. Jason, I can't think of his last name, but um, he's impressive, and <clears throat> you know it's nice that it allowed them to move Connor Blumrick to tight end, and he's a big kid too, and. You know, he's a tough runner, so, you know, maybe a, a Heath Schuler situation there where a quarterback becomes a tight end and um, can take advantage of his size and, and you know, become an option. Because Tech, uh, much like Penn State, teams like that, rugged teams like that, um, often seem to have a tight end who's just a big, tough guy and catches tough balls over the middle. And uh, maybe Connor Blumrick can be, can be that guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Um Let's let's go move on to the the other ACC school in the Commonwealth. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Virginia football hire of Tony Elliott, um, former Clemson assistant, uh, taking over for Bron- uh, for Bronco Mendenhall. And then you know, with Virginia football, what are the expectations this year for the Hoos? Well, you know, they have everything on offense except an offensive line. Um, they ha- they have to build an offensive line because all five starters left. Um, when when those players were given an extra year of eligibility, that really helped the line. 
um, last year, but now all those guys are gone, a couple of six-year guys, and, and they're gone. So, But, you know, one of the biggest, one of the best things that could have happened for Tony Elliott was when Brandon Armstrong decided to come back. And um, that kind of gave him some instant credibility with the team. It kind of brought along some momentum um, in decisions some other guys made. <clears throat> they have a ton of talent at receiver, and they get Lavelle Lavelle Davis back this year. Um, he's a six foot seven kid as a freshman, averaged twenty five yards a catch, um, caught a bunch of touchdown passes. So, um, you know, it may be that if the offensive line isn't um, up to snuff, Armstrong may have to do a lot of three step drops, and it's kind of easy to find a six foot seven guy. So, but they, you know, Keaton Thompson's back, and he spent most of last year playing with a with a uh, cast on one hand um, and still made tons of big catches. Armstrong never hesitated to throw the ball to him in must-have situations. And um, I don't remember Thompson ever dropping a ball, even with a cast on his hand. So um, Tony Elliott, who was a wide receiver, has really um, put the pressure on Thompson to be the best he can be, um, which is you know more than he was last year. He's, he's an exciting runner. Um, he came in as a quarterback and, um, he's really, he's really effective. Billy Kemp is a little guy, but he caught 74 passes last year. Um, Dontavian Wicks caught 1200 yards worth of passes last year and a bunch of touchdowns. Um, and if they can get a running game, and they have options in the running game. Mike Hollins is somebody that I think people have expected to emerge every year, and somehow that just hasn't happened. Um, but he seems like the kind of guy you throw a screen pass to, and he might go 60 yards. So they have lots of talent. Their defense was a sieve last year, and they have seven starters back. Um, but they're going to have to do something. They gave up so many big plays last year. Um, and they had they had games where they gave up. 66, 59, and 48 points. And you're not going to win too many games doing that. Even as good as Armstrong was, um, they averaged over 500 yards of offense, um, almost 400 passing, and I don't expect they'll do that this year. Um, Des Kitchings wants a more balanced offense, but um, you know a lot of it will, will hinge on how well the offensive line plays. All right. Um, Hank, give us your thoughts on Duke's football hire of Mike Elko. I think that's a very interesting hire because he comes from places that um, are much different than Duke. Um, he, he, he worked at Texas A&M. He worked at, te uh, not Texas, um, I forget where the other place was he worked, but um, he's worked at places that are big-time football schools. And obviously... He got the job because um, after after 14 years, David Cutcliffe's run kind of fizzled out the past two years. Um, you know, they lost 48 nothing to Virginia last year. Same Virginia team that gave up 66 points in a game gave up none to Duke. Um, so it's going to be interesting. He's obviously got a rebuilding job there. Um, I imagine he'll get some time. Um, there'll be some patience. You, you can't expect after the way they've played the last couple of years for him to come in and win six games. Um, but, you know, he comes from 
big time programs, big time roots. So, um, you know, he, it, it's quite feasible that, um, you know, he, and, and he knows the ACC because he was at Wake Forest. Uh, and the other school he was at was Notre Dame. So, I mean, he comes, he knows what it's like to put together a big time program. I'm not sure it's going to take him a while to figure out how to put together that kind of program at Duke. Okay. Um, we're going to have this next section, uh, a lightning round. Um, we've got four questions for you, and this is looking at the ACC. We're going to start with which ACC coach or coaches are on the hot seat? That's a hard one because, you know, when when the football season starts, everybody's got all the optimism in the world. Um, you know, it, it, it might be said that for all the talent they've had that North Carolina hasn't done as much since Mac Brown came back as one might have expected. And I don't know that he that he's on the hot seat, but, um, you know, uh, I think it's fair to say they've underachieved. All right. Um, who wins the ACC Coastal and the ACC Atlantic? Well, it's funny you ask because I'll go with North Carolina in the coastal, and you know you can't you can't not pick Clemson in the Atlantic until um, somebody else uh, proves that they're at that level. I mean, Florida State has talent like that, but um, you know they've they've had a hard time getting it together. Dave Clawson um, did a great job last year, but Sam Hartman's hurt. Um, you know, and it, it, it's going to be hard to unseat Clemson. Um, but, you know, um, that's why they play the games, right? And Wake, who, who saw Wake Forest doing what they did last year? Um, yeah, to that answer, um, what, what did you see in North Carolina that um, get, makes them the uh, coastal favorite for you uh, over a, a Pittsburgh or a Miami? Well, Miami is a lot like Virginia Tech, it seems like to me, in that um, for a long time, and Virginia Tech's kind of slid out of this category, but Miami is a team that gets, it seems to me, overrated every year. And, you know, you look at them and they have all this talent and it just seems like it should all come together and they should be the Miami of the 80s, right? Um, much like Florida State, there's so much talent on those rosters, but somehow they don't put it all together and... Um, I was just looking at the Penn State and Manny Diaz is at Penn State now. <clears throat> so they have a new coach and <clears throat> um, Crystal Ball. And, it, you know, it's, it's often difficult to get a program up to speed right away with a new coach, even with spring and summer and all that stuff. And, you know, um, North Carolina always just seems to have a couple of home run hitters on offense. And I know they they they're 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 breaking in a new quarterback this year, and I'm not sure they have they announced that on Twitter in the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're breaking in a new quarterback, and I don't know. They just they always seem to have a bunch of home run hitters on offense, and you know maybe a couple years into his return to Chapel Hill, maybe Mac Brown can put that all together this year. Yeah, and maybe. Um... You know, they had those huge expectations last year and, uh, you know, coming in without quite 
quite so high of expectations will allow them to play a little looser uh, than they did last year. And we know Mac Brown's recruited well, so there, there's talent on that roster, no question. Yeah, expectations are hard because, you know, sometimes, you know, I was reading a story the other day about Penn State, and it said, you know, when they won five in a row to start last season, they get, kind of went into complacent mode, coast, you know, kind of coasting along, thinking, ah, you know, we got this figured out. And, you know, that's where a guy like Brent Pry is going to, you know, light a fire under your butt. Tony, Tony Elliott's going to light a fire under your butt and say, hey, you know, um, when I was at Penn State or when I was at Clemson, one of the reasons we succeeded was we never went into cruise control. We, you know, there's a lot of focus on fundamentals at both places. Um, and, you know, just kind of, it's kind of funny because Bronco built from the ground up and, you know, tried to set a new culture and you had to earn your uniform number and, and all that stuff. Um, there's a huge focus on fundamentals at Virginia and at Tech. And, you know, they'll stop practice and, you know, make you do it over again. And apparently both schools, there are some players more so at Virginia Tech than at Virginia, but it's kind of a new lease on life, a new coaching staff. And, you know, come in and Brent Pry said that they didn't talk to the outgoing coaches. They didn't talk to Fuente. They didn't talk to any of those folks. They didn't really want their mind to be uh, – Polluted is not the right word, but they didn't want to be um, biased by something they heard. You know, they wanted to kind of evaluate for themselves, see how they did the summer, how they did in the spring. And I think both both coaches are really, really pleased with the leadership that's emerged and kind of guided the team through the summer. All right. Um, and out of... Clemson and North Carolina, your your two champion. Who's going to win the ACC title? It's hard to pick against Clemson. Um, they're just so good, and um, you know when when programs get that good, they just kind of feed off themselves, and um, you know get five star kids, and kids are knocking down the door to come there, and and you know Dabo's an impressive guy by all accounts, and you know he lost a bunch of coaches, but. Um, you know, it's just hard to it's hard to upend what they have going on. And, you know, obviously someday um, somebody will um, or somebody will join those ranks. You know, it could be could be Virginia Tech in a couple of years, could be Virginia in a couple of years. I mean, those guys, those new coaches could be Miami. You know, it's funny, four new coaches in the ACC and they're all in the, in the coastal division um, and all that programs. Um, not all of them, but certainly Tech and Miami have the pedigree of the past to get back up and, and compete with a Clemson, North Carolina, with the recruiting that you mentioned. Um, they always have players. Um, it's just a matter of putting it all together. And, you know, um, <clears throat> sometimes when you have a really good quarterback like North Carolina did last year, you might count too much on that and not enough on the other stuff you have. And um, so, you know, the veterans on the team on offense will have to pick up whoever it is that is the quarterback. And, you know, leadership will come naturally from whoever becomes the quarterback. But by necessity, it'll come from other people on the offense before that. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. And, you know, when you talk about Clemson, I, you know, people say that's talented defense. 
But when you look at that defense, I mean, it, I think it's a deeper group than the 2018 uh, defense that that won the national championship and and um, you know destroyed Alabama in the in the national championship game. And Christian Wilkins and uh, you know Austin Bryan, Clean Flarell, that that group. And I this defense, I think, is deeper than that bunch. Maybe not quite as many f- first rounders. Um, but I think it's deeper than that group, and I, I, they're every bit as good as as Georgia was last year on defense. I mean, this is this is one of the most talented defenses um, in the, in the country, and and in the last several years. I mean, this, this this that defense is up and down, full of NFL players. Well, and you think about it, um, last year when that the the defensive lineman came to Tech from Clemson because he wasn't playing at Clemson. He was welcomed like Bryce Harper, you know, at, at Virginia. And there was no doubt he was going to start and and all that stuff. And it's like, um, you know, to think of Virginia Tech taking scraps, which aren't really scraps, but, you know, because there's nobody at Clemson that couldn't play at Virginia Tech. But, um, you know, taking a guy that played sparingly for Clemson and heralded as the next great thing at Virginia Tech is pretty amazing. And it, it, and it kind of shows how far Virginia Tech has to go to get back to that Bud Foster top five defensive um, posture that they had for so long. Yeah, a- absolutely. Kind of like, you know, with, with Jermaine Johnson transferring to Florida State last year from Georgia and, you know, just becomes the ACC defensive player of the year. So, I mean, th- these guys that are break, trying to break into these rosters of these nationally elite teams, um, I mean, they're big-time players. And if you get them on your roster as a transfer, I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, he didn't start at, you know, Clemson or Georgia. I mean, you ended up getting a stud a lot of times. Right. And, and you know, it's funny. It's like I said about the second chances. You know, Jalen Holston, Mike Hollins, guys like that that, maybe didn't live up to what the expectations were for them under the prior regimes at Virginia and Virginia Tech, but they get new life, a new chance. And, you know, sometimes a a guy may have a conflict with a coach. You know, sometimes a tight end doesn't block as well as the coach wants him to, and even though he's a great receiver, he doesn't get to play because he doesn't block well enough, you know. And and sometimes um, coaches can be almost parental in their punishment for – um, you know, what, what some guys don't do. And, and sometimes when a coach sees the potential a kid has and he isn't even approaching living up to it, you know, sometimes the coach, the coach's message to try to get him to get on that page, um, you know, keeps him from, from going anywhere. So that kid goes to Florida State, gets to play new lease on life, player of the year. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Last question in our lightning round. Give us your four college football playoff teams as of today, and who do you think wins the national title? Um, well, I hate to be a broken record. I think Alabama's got to be up there. I think Ohio State's got to be up there. Um, I think Texas A&M might be up there. Um, and a fourth one um, – well, let's have some fun and say Michigan. Okay. Uh, and which which one? 
you say Alabama, he thinks going to win the national title. I'm going to pick Texas A&M. All right, I hear you. Um, you Jimbo know, Fisher. Maybe the best recruiting class in history. Um, NIL, thank you very much. Um, but, you know, one of the best recruiting classes in history. Um, he told Nick Saban to go chase himself. And, and so that's going to be a great, great rivalry. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it gets boring, you know, every year we do this and I kind of, I don't think I've ever failed to pick Alabama. Um, but you know, it's like Clemson until somebody knocks them off. Um, you know, and they, and not that they win every national championship, but they're, I don't know how many years in a row they've been number one to start the year. And, you know, we know more and more about recruiting and stuff like that than we ever did. So, um, who knows? All right. Very good. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Okay. Quick question here, Hank. Uh, we know that now that USC and UCLA are going to be part of the Big Ten. What should the ACC's next move be here on ex- conference expansion? The floor is yours. You know, that's such a hard question because, I mean, who thought USC and UCLA would go to the Big Ten? Um, You know, who – so many of these things, it's like Rutgers being in the Big Ten. It's like Syracuse being in the ACC and Boston College. Um, You know, I don't know if the ACC – I don't know how big they want to get if they want to get, you know, if there's going to be a power five league that disbands, um, you know, cause, and I, I just think of it in terms of old dominion being in conference USA and football and going down to Texas three or four times a year to play teams from Texas, you know, regional rivalries are a big deal. And, um, I, I can't imagine a team in the sec that might've been, ACC material at some point is going to leave that conference because the money's too good. Um, I, I don't. I don't know that there's any teams looking to climb up that would that would fit into the ACC's um, profile. Um, and, and and it seems like some of these other conferences are a little bit more aggressive and looking to do things like this. And I'm sure the ACC is talking to people. I just have no idea that I would assume they'll stand pat, but um, it would be interesting. Like West Virginia would be a fun team to have in the ACC, a really fun team. And, you know, so would Penn State, but they're not leaving the Big Ten, Um, you know, and and kind of like like a Big East from, from back in the day, you know, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Boston College, West Virginia, all those teams. And, um they had great rivalries that just went away when they, they switched leagues. Um, so I'm not sure if there's any movement coming from the ACC. I'm not sure if they're not more reactionary than, than other leagues. Um, I can't, I, I can't even begin to guess what they would do if they would do anything. Fair enough, Hank. Fair enough. I think we're we're probably in the same thing. I did uh, same mode. I did write on the blog that certainly the conference commissioner was on the clock. I wrote about that, and I actually wrote about this. I mean, you'll find it interesting, Hank. Uh, I the la- 
I, I did a Google search on strategic planning and the ACC, right? Because I'm one, I'm one of those academic guys, of course. And the last person that did something on strategic planning and the ACC was a Virginia Tech doctoral student in 1985 in the academic literature, if you can believe that. Wow. And it, oh. and it, it kind of feels like we're back at that stage again, like what, you know, you're on the clock, you got to make, I, I'm wondering, I wonder if at times if the ACC's or ACC's using these tools for strategic planning, they probably are, and then nobody's going to put that insight out there that they're not, but, you know, making sure that you're at least on par with other, you know, you're never going to be even like Jeff and I both said before, but, you know, but that the revenue gap between the major conferences in the ACC has to narrow a bit so that you can put yourself in a successful spot. I mean, we did hear, and Jeff, Jeff can probably knows more about this. I've seen, seen bits and pieces on the, uh, on the, on, uh, in the media about how the, how the uh, big 10 is basically leaving ESPN in its new deal. Right. And so that may open up some more opportunities for revenue for the ACC, but We'll have to see about that. Jeff, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, what we talked about at the 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 top of the podcast, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that that the Big Ten, uh, you know, severs ties with ESPN, and then, you know, within a week, ESPN is getting more content from the ACC in the in the form of the ACC baseball tournament. And in uh, you know the women's basketball tournament, so I think you're already starting to see, um, you know, ESPN say, "Hey, we lost the Big Ten. We want to get more content now from the ACC." I I think it's going to continue. To be honest, um, over the next few years, where some of those regional uh, football games and men's basketball games that you see on the regional sports networks, I think there's going to end up in the hands of uh, ESPN again, uh, which I, it's a good thing for the ACC because it's a lot easier when there's like a one-stop shop to find these games. And you know, if you're not in a particular region where those those uh, regional sports channels are, I mean, a lot of people are left like wondering, hey, where, how do I find this game, and 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 where is it at, and why isn't it on the ACC network? So I, I think you're going to see improved uh, game times for ACC sports increased content and i think in the long run you know i don't know what the amount will end up being but i think it, it will result in some increased revenue opportunities for the acc well and, and it's you know it's good exposure and <clears throat> you know the acc obviously basketball is kind of their bread and butter for the most part you know that's where they have probably more compelling matchups than in football but um there are good matchups in football um, the ACC has been interesting in, in recent years when like Wake Forest has risen up and had a really good year. Um, um, but you're right, more, more exposure. And, you know, especially I live in Virginia and for the longest time, Comcast and the ACC couldn't get together, the ACC network couldn't get together to put ACC network on Comcast. So there were lots of games that, you know, people in Virginia couldn't watch because the ACC network wasn't available. And, you know, the, the money that they throw around for these things is crazy, um, but essential. You know, I mean, Virginia's doing, 
they're just about to break ground on a new football training facility. Um, you know, they, they've put in, um, they, Tony Elliott, excuse me, brought some ideas from Clemson, you know, nutritionist and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And so that money is vital to the schools. Um, because obviously everybody compares everything to everything else. And, you know, you bring in a top five or, you know, five-star recruit and he sees that somebody's got, you know, massive weight rooms and, and all kinds of amenities. And then you go to a school that doesn't have that, you're up against it. And, you know, um, that, that's where, that's where the, the guy at Duke is going to struggle is that they don't have facilities, anything like what they're recruiting against. And, you know, Duke is probably recruiting against Virginia as much as anybody, you know, kind of simple, same mindset schools. And, um, you know, so that money's vital and the exposure's wonderful. Um, it's not as great when, you know, Virginia Tech loses at Old Dominion or when Virginia's on ESPNU playing Richmond or Old Dominion. Um, but you know the 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 league games are good um you know and like pittsburgh kind of came out of nowhere last year and was really good um you know so it's good for the league all the all the all the exposure is good for the league um and the money's amazing and it'll be interesting to see what espn does with that hopefully they put more stuff I want to see on there instead of guys carrying telephone poles around and sawing logs in half with a, with a saw blade that's four feet long. Okay. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. It's open microphone time, Hank. Uh, I, I'm going to use my open microphone segment first to ask you a question. Uh, and then we'll have you do your, have you do your open microphone. But I, I, I just, there's been a lot of chatter today on Virginia Tech's non-conference schedule. I went through, I got off work today and I was on, I was on the set, I was on Twitter and I was seeing people complaining about the non-conference schedule and like, whoa, it's me, we should be playing better opponents like this, you know, better opponents and oh, we should be playing much, you know, much high caliber opponents and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here in my mind thinking, I'm thinking, Okay, so Virginia Tech's had a series of six and six seasons. I mean, in a lot of them, in, you know, a lot of them in a row under Fuente. I, 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 I personally think that the that the program needs to get some wins and things like that, you know, and get uh, you know a level of confidence and that you know and improve you know improve the performance on the field, get a level of wins and things like things like that, and you know get, you know to a level of consistent play. Before you, you know, before you make those types of things, you know, before you really make those types of moves, and I think if you're winning games, you're making people, you know, a little ha happier about that situation. But I I'm just curious on what you, what you think about my assessment. I agree, and you know, the one thing you want to build with a first-year coach is momentum, and you know, you have it going in because, of course, everyone goes into the season thinking this is going to be the year, right? Even if there's not, you know, because we're fans and we're fanatics. And, you know, so everyone goes into the year or most everyone goes into the year with a positive attitude. Um, but, you know, the the series, the 10-year series with Old Dominion, 
um, isn't ideal. Whit Babcock was talking to that, talking about that to David Teal. Um, Wofford, I mean, thank you, Mike Young. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, but they have a home game with West Virginia on a Thursday night, which is already sold out. And you know, whether West, I don't think West Virginia is ranked, but they're always good. That's a really good rivalry. Um, that's a high profile situation. Um, ESPN loves to just go on and on about what great atmosphere they have at, at Lane Stadium on a Thursday night. Um, you know, so it's not as bad as it looks. Um, and it kind of falls, kind of falls in their favor because Miami's coming to Blacksburg, West Virginia's coming to Blacksburg, BC's coming to Blacksburg, um, and Virginia's coming to Blacksburg. The tough road games they have are at Pittsburgh and at North Carolina State. So I think the schedule falls pretty well for them. Obviously, you'd, you'd rather see a Tennessee or an Alabama instead of Wofford or Old Dominion on the schedule, but, um, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and Old Dominion's now an FBS team, so um, that's not even... That's, you know, Wofford is their FBS opponent, um, even though a lot of people don't realize that Old Dominion isn't an FBS opponent. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough, Hank. Hank, what do you got for your open microphone? Boy, I have to be careful here. Um, I read a lot of your posts on Twitter, Matthew. And um, what I would say has very little to do with sports, I guess. Um, it has to do with the climate in this country politically. Um, and I hope that somewhere along the line, something happens to bring that back to some kind of rational um, rational place um, where people work together instead of against each other. And um, I'm not sure the news media will ever quite recover from the last six years. Um, there's an awful lot of people that um, I think we are the enemy and we're not. Um, but there's an awful lot of people that think that. And um, I just think that's a sad commentary in, in so many ways. And I would really like for rationality to to win out like think about last night in wyoming uh liz cheney lost by almost 40 percentage points and said in her concession speech that two years earlier she got 73 percent of the vote and would have again had she gone along with some of the malarkey that that um she has objected to and that's just a remarkable, remarkable thing. I mean, you can find videos of, of so many people um, saying things diametrically opposed, sometimes within a few weeks' time. And um, somehow it doesn't really seem to move the needle either way. The needle just goes in deeper. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited for football season so I can spend less time worrying about all that other stuff. 
I'm with you, Hank. There are a lot of there are a lot of countries that there are a couple countries right now that actually have official disinformation centers. I know we have our our, our issue. Our, we have, uh, of course, freedom of the press and things like that in the United States. And then if you had a disinformation center like that with the federal government, you'd you'd have a truth barometer that would change every time that somebody's in office, which is unfortunate because, like you said, you used to have people. You used to have this situation where people would have would respect the freedom of the press would have would have a you know would agree on facts would not have alternative facts and that sort of that sort of thing so i i'm with you i'm with you i mean i'm somebody who's been my day job's in the national security community right and so i i i see these sorts of things so i i totally get what you're saying and you know it's it's things like pandemic relief or vaccination should not be political politicized see who gets the credit for making it happen it's just do the damn thing and you know i don't know we've we've gotten so far away from that it's it's now just a matter of who's going to get the credit and that's that's a pretty pathetic place to be i'm i'm with you i'm with you sir jeff you're up buddy all right i just gotta um a quick open mic. The AP preseason football poll was released this week. And just like the coaches poll, the ACC has five teams ranked in the top 25. Even Wake Forest made the top 25 despite, uh, you know, the uncertain status of their quarterback, Sam Hartman. So, uh, again, I think we mentioned this when we had the coaches poll released. The ACC is starting out the year being respected by the polls and that that's kind of a new thing i mean it's mostly been you know clemson being you know really highly ranked i know north carolina was in the top 10 but with five teams in the polls there there shouldn't be any excuse for azc football this year to say hey the polls don't respect us um you know hey you're you're up high in the polls this year now you got to stay there and that means going out and winning some of these non-conference games that the ACC has struggled so much in the last three or four years. Um, you know, you want high television ratings, compelling matchups. You have ranked teams with, you know, playing for playoff spots. And, you know, with, with Clemson ranked number four, uh, NC State in the top 15. I mean, if that holds to form and those two are playing in later in September, I mean, you're, you're probably having a, a prime time, highly ranked, highly rated game. Um, and it, it could go on across the board in the ACC if some of these rankings hold or if a, a, a Louisville or a team like Virginia or Florida State or, you know, the coastal pick by Hank there gets into the top 25. I mean, we could have a season full of top 25 matchups. So, you know, respect from the preseason polls this year. And now ACC football teams just have to stay there because we know I put this, I posted this on the blog recently when the ACC has quality matchups, the the ratings are there. It's not a matter of people don't want to watch ACC football. They want to watch quality football. And you go back and look at 2016. I mean, week after week, the ACC had a, a, a top three rated game that week conference games, uh, like Louisville when Lamar Jackson and, you know, playing a Deshaun Watson and Clemson and Florida state playing Louisville when they were both in the top 10, they were, they were multiple games that, that season that drew uh high viewing ratings. So 
It's just a matter of staying in those polls. So those non-conference games are huge, huge this year. They are, and you know it's interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of times um, the top twenty-five um, people, when they're voting on it, one of the things they do is look at the final top twenty-five from the previous year. Uh, because you know what I mean? Yeah, there's lots of information about people out there, but everyone's hyped to the gills, um, and. Um, I, I did a story last year, I think besides Clemson, North Carolina was number 10 to start the year, lost in Blacksburg, dropped to maybe 17 or 19, lost the next week, dropped out of the poll, and there wasn't another AP team in the, in the poll until maybe Pittsburgh, very late in the season. And <clears throat> it was just Clemson all year. And it was, you know, it was, it was really sad. And, um, you know, oh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. I'm doing this thing about freshmen to watch. And this kid, Travis Hunter, that went to Jackson State, he's going to play both ways. Um, and in their spring game, he caught two touchdown passes and intercepted two passes. And he was allegedly the number one recruit in the country. Might be fun to watch. It was, wasn't he uh, originally uh... – committed to Florida State. He was one of their big-time recruits and then ended up at Jackson State. That guy's a talent. Yeah, and they started throwing names, you know, Jerry Rice and Steve McNair and Walter Payton, who went to Jackson State, um, guys that came from HBCUs and went on to great careers, and they're already throwing this kid's name around with those names. So Doug Williams, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, and I think I saw on their website that they're going to have 10 games on some – some ESPN channel, whether it's ESPN Plus or ESPN U or three or whatever, um, they're going to have ten games televised this year. Wow, Deion Deion Sanders has got it. He's got it working down there right now. He does. He does. And you know, to get a kid like that that wants to play both ways, um, and seems like a humble kid from the from the interviews I've seen with him, um, could be fun to watch. Hope he stays healthy. Okay, I'll just I'll just say real quickly, Hank. Uh, we went through our picks this week for the coastal divisions, uh, coastal division on, at allsportsdiscussion.com. It was Jeff and I, and then we had five guest picks on uh, five guest picks on there, and most of us, boy, I, I think I pretty want to pretty much want to say everybody uh, had Georgia Tech at three and nine or less. We had one blogger on there that had Georgia Tech at 111, one and 11. And we think there's a very real possibility, Hank, that if, 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 if Jeff Collins turns out at two and 10 or one and 11, he could be fired in the middle of the season. That's true. That's true. I forgot about him because I think he's won three games all three years he's been there. It, so that, it hasn't gone well for him at all. Yeah, that's his average is three wins. So if he goes three and three and nine, that would uh, yeah, that that's his average. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about him. He he's gonna have some. He he might have some difficulty. And I'll and I'll I'll counter one thing, and we'll see see what you th what you think here. But you gotta have I you know as Jeff said earlier, boy, you gotta have a quarterback if you want to be successful. If you want to be successful in the ACC. You got to have somebody behind center, right. and and boy, do you Miami's QB? He could 
he seems like he's a real deal. Oh, yeah, and there's lots of good quarterbacks in the ACC. I, um, I think the coach at Duke said something about every program either has a good quarterback coming back or a new coach, <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. That is true. But... That is pretty funny. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and you know what's, what's, what's always amazed me about Georgia Tech is even when Paul Johnson was there and they were running the ball 99.9% of the time, they always had a six foot five wide receiver who looked like he could have played anywhere in the country. And, you know, kind of like North Carolina, they get these big kids and they can run and, and all that stuff. And they, they seem to find lots of those guys. And Georgia tech had one, even when they didn't throw the ball, it seemed like, you know, so they have talent too. It's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what Jeff Collins is doing down there that it's not working, but um, you know, yeah, he's definitely a hot seat guy. He's, tra- he's letting them transfer out to Alabama, I think. Well, and, you know, that's a big problem for everybody. I mean, you know, Virginia brought in, because all of Virginia's offensive line left, um, they brought in a kid from Dartmouth. They brought in a kid from Georgetown, Matthew, where, where you went to <laughs> <Very> school. Very cool. <laughs> um, you know, and these guys were all-conference players, but, you know, all-conference where? You know, um, Dartmouth, all-conference Ivy League? That doesn't make you an ACC football player. Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how these guys work out because, you know, there's something to be said for being a graduate student and, you know, having been around weightlifting and doing all that stuff for years and getting some playing time and some experience. But um, the transfer portal has changed everything because you can, you can fix what ails you so quickly now. You know, think about last year we did we did this um, thing every week. We wrote a story. Each each of us had a position, and we wrote a story about a player at that position who might kind of be a sleeper. And my position was tight end, and I wrote about a kid at Michigan State. But when I was ta- we all talked to an NFL scout during the week, and when I mentioned Jelani Woods, the kid that came to Virginia, um, he like. He didn't seem to know much about him and um, said, yeah, I'll, I'll have to check him out. Well, Jelani Woods went to the combine and kicked butt and I think was drafted in the third round. And, um, you know, just a transfer portal guy that was at Oklahoma. Somehow it didn't work out, came to Virginia, was a great blocker, was fast, had good hands, and, you know, caught 44 passes and I think eight touchdown passes. So the transfer portal can can be a big help, but it can also burn you. Um, one of the things Tony Elliott said was he didn't do a good enough job recruiting the offensive linemen that left um, when Bronco resigned. Um, he didn't do a good enough job recruiting those guys. He did, you know, he got his prize back in Brennan Armstrong and Keaton Thompson and those guys, but you know he's got a. He's got an offensive line that's got limited experience, certainly limited power five experience, um, because he said he didn't do a good enough job recruiting those guys to stay. So that's excellent. That's excellent insight. Excellent insight. Well, Hank, it's always great to have you come here on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. You're really generous with giving your time to us. And we would love to have you come on again late in the year again, sort of like a Masters thing. I cue up that Masters music, right, when you come back on. <laughs> a tradition like, unlike 
like no other, I think is that's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. And, and I always enjoy talking with you. You guys know a lot of stuff and I, I learn as much as maybe I teach. So that's good. Thanks. Thanks so much, Hank. Have a great week, guys. You guys, you too. And thanks for the, uh, sorry for the schedule snafu, but we're, we're thanks cool, for man. working with it. We're cool. We're just happy to have you on. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. You guys have a good night. All right. Bye.